Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Women Solving Crime. My name's Katie Wilkins and I'm an author and comedian. I'm joined by screenwriter Hannah George. Hello. And writer-comedian Taylor Glenn. Hello. This is where Brandy meets bludgeoning, Mimosa meets misdemeanour and Port meets prostitution. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime. And this is a crime of being a cunt. <gasps> I'm going to go 1912 because I think her husband bought her ticket for the Titanic. <laughs> I get baby. so excited when I'm close. <laughs> I say that in bed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edit point, Amanda, make me look sane. So. Oh, that's 100% staying in now, you idiot. <laughs> exactly. Now it's time for drunk women solving crime. We are back with another lockdown, Drunk Women Solving Crime. We are recording this on the day that is the hottest day of the year so far. I hope if you're listening, you're not one of the dickheads that went to the beach today. And we are joined this week by the fantastic doctor, filmmaker and director, Nidhi Gupta. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was not on the beach. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I was in a very sweaty ward today with no air conditioning oh. so I, I was not on the beach but it felt like it might have been given health it was, it was and so you had hot. ice cream in your hand the whole time which was weird so maybe you were on the <laughs> you know what it's insane so in the hospital within the first week of summer all the ice cream disappears and it doesn't come back until the winter oh you're kidding yeah it just disappears last year it disappeared by about mid-june and then we had no ice cream until about september when it got cold again you're like we don't want ice cream now we needed it in july we need to go to walls we need to start a kind of get doctor's ice cream yeah we need this is we need to crowdfund for this that's (laughs) it's unforgivable i'll just have some air conditioning machines would be lovely (laughs) oh man i mean if we're gonna make a list (laughs) but as much as i would love to discuss the injustices of of what's being done i think we should move on with the the more manageable crimes (laughs) of of our podcast so niddy we have one question have you ever been the victim of a crime oh loads 
just I live in London I'm a London bread, <laughs> of course um, but actually the one that I thought of was actually it's a crime that's happened in lockdown oh yeah and uh, it's a crime and this is a crime of being a cunt <gasps> yes, that is a but when I tell you the story you're gonna absolutely agree with me okay so um when lockdown came my one of my friends who's a good person persuaded me to go on an online dating app Okay. I haven't done it for a couple of years. I but she said, like, like, what have you got to lose? You've got nothing else to do in the evenings. <laughs> it's a bit of fun. It's not going to lose anyone. I'm like, you can't meet up, so there's no pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no dates or anything. So <laughs> at this point, I'm going, I've gone back to the COVID wards, basically. Because right. before COVID, uh, I worked only part-time as a doctor. Main time, I was a filmmaker. But when uh, COVID hit, just... I just got redeployed basically and I said yeah whatever shifts you got and you need and you need covering because everyone was dropping like flies amazing um so I went back to the wards and uh, unsurprisingly after two weeks on the covid wards I got sick <laughs> uh, surprise yeah. surprise so uh, the first two three days like I was in conversation I'd kind of sent my number to a couple of people and whatsapping and prepare, preparing to have a phone I was like yeah, yeah I'm sick I'm not able to do this. Oh, sorry, just contact me in a week or two weeks. <laughs> yeah, you know. dude. Um, and then on the fourth day of my illness, I end up in hospital. Oh, wow. Shit. So, yeah, so I ended up sitting in hospital for a week in my local hospital. Oh, gosh. Um, I managed to avoid intensive care, thankfully. But yeah, I was really sick. And wow. that first, after, after that first night, I was really just, that first day, I was really quite scared. Yeah. You know, to, I'd never been this sick before. Wow. And I'd just come off literally just got off the wards a few days earlier where I've been sending everyone to intensive care and just uh, seeing that it was like this is like right at the worst almost at the worst bit of it uh, I was getting it yeah. um it was also interesting to be admitted to a ward I worked on a few years earlier wow <laughs> which was just like this is a bit weird and, yeah. it's, the and it's the care of the elderly ward the care of the elderly I was like okay just that's a bit weird <laughs> then somebody I'd been whatsapping who I said look leave me alone yeah called me oh whilst I'm sick yeah. Oh, shit. I hadn't saved their number. And mm. I go, look, who is this? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm literally in a hospital bed with oxygen and feeling <gasps> like uh, yeah, scared. And he goes, the first thing he says was, you didn't save my number. Oh, oh my God. Oh, right? my God. Right? At which point wow. I go, oh, it gets worse. I, I'm sick with COVID. I'm <gasps> currently sitting in a hospital bed. At his point, I hope you die. <gasps> what? He said that. And I think this is off. an actual crime. This is that's, that's a death threat. Yeah. So uh, before I blocked his number and deleted the you know vague WhatsApp message, remember Jesus. we haven't even talked to video call yet. This is wow. you know. So before I did that, I said you're a cunt. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> blocked his number and then just you know deleted the messages. But every few days I get from a private number because he's using an IP address hider uh. to call me up. <gasps> And call me a cunt on the phone. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Oh, this got so sinister. Fucking hell! Yes. Because I'm swearing so much, but hey, it's <laughs> the, the vibe of this. Uh, yeah, it, it's appropriate. Jesus. Oh my goodness, I'm really. Um, it's just this incel asshole. <laughs> Who literally must spend all his days wanking on Pornhub. You know, you know when he's on his IT job, he's got Pornhub in the corner and complaining online to his friends. Oh, why can't I get a girlfriend? Why can't I get a girlfriend? Yeah, you are a good diagnostician. With the incel diagnosis. I was just going to call him Summa Kunt Laude for some reason, just because we were talking about academic accolades in the US and how they're different. It's a really niche joke for our US listeners. <laughs> but wow that like because at first I was like oh my god the male ego like when he realizes when it sinks in that you're in hospital he's going to be so embarrassed no he doubled down on being a fucking oh, he, he just yeah 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 he's he's he has he hoped I died what just wow yeah he really lucked out with you being so ill <laughs> I know I mean that's probably the best news he got he's like my job as a cunt abuser just got real easy and he just rubbed his hands together yeah, his exactly. little tiny hands I, I mean clearly i'm not the first person he's done this to no like, you know that, that this is immediate reaction 
to yeah. somebody not saving his name in their phone when you haven't even had a conversation. That is not the first time that's happened. Oh, well, and here's no. where the like, I, I don't suppose you reported it. You've just sort of tried to keep him at bay, right? Like you blocked him, but it's... I blocked it's a- him and I found an app that blocks private numbers, oh, which cool. is a problem oh. when I'm on call and the oh. hospital calls me because it comes up as unknown private number because it's from a switchboard. So then it's I a have good to, way to do less work. <laughs> well, I have to unblock it. I unblock it for that when I'm on call, and then I, you know, it, uh, so it, that's I how just, you know that he's still getting in touch because when you're on call, and that's just what you need when you're on call is a reminder that someone's harassing you. That's yeah. fantastic. That really helps our NHS. Yeah. Thank you, you prick. Wow. Yeah. I got. Can't I we trace this number? Now, this is where I want to become a vigilante. I'm like, yes. I'm on this. I don't know what I'm going to do to him yet, but I'm yeah. already in my car. I have several blunt instruments, and I'm going to do some shit. I would love to track him down. I genuinely. So I, I genuinely tried on my numbers because I deleted his messages. Out of all the numbers I've blocked over the years, I don't know which one's his. Yeah. Oh, wow. So where's my like... block number list? And it's like, I'm not ringing up all these random people. <laughs> are you the cunt or are you the other cunt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I, you know, I can't work out who it is. And of course, I deleted the chat and everything. I was like, I don't want this on my phone. No. I don't want to read this stuff. I don't need that kind of rubbish in my life. No. You know, but it's like, I, I just actually, I just feel he's so pitiable. Like, he's just so pathetic a human being. Yeah. Because he's clearly got nothing, like literally nothing going on in yeah. his life. If- that, you know, weeks later, he's harassing a sick person. Yeah, you can't I, even high five your bros with that one. Like, I feel like even in the incel community, they'd be like, "Too far, <laughs> too far." Guess what? I called somebody who was really sick with COVID. I can't. Woo. Like, oh, she called me one first. And the other thing, like, she no. caught it saving other people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just abused one of our heroes. Go me. She's a beautiful, highly trained professional. <laughs> I didn't feel very heroic at that point when that happened. It was uh, like, we. Yeah. And just a point, do. if you've got a sick friend, WhatsApp them. Just just WhatsApp them. <laughs> Don't call them. Don't call them. Because they're on oxygen trying to breathe. Yeah. You know, now, did you sound like Darth Vader when you called him a cunt? Because that's kind of where I was going. I was like, that's awesome. To be fair, I called it him on the WhatsApp. Cunt. Oh, so right. I texted gotcha. it. Because gotcha. he, he told me, hope he died. And then he rang off. I see. Okay. Well, it's hard yes. to continue a call after that. What do you, there's nowhere to go from there really so he was right to hang up jesus christ yeah so as i said completely deserved wow (laughs) yeah i mean fuck this guy oh man we always ask our guests on this podcast if you had the perp now they're in custody they can't do anything what would you say to them (laughs) basically would be (laughs) just laughing What is there to say? Just laugh in their face. That's such a great response. I love that. That is an awesome response, and we know where you were pointing. The listeners couldn't couldn't see the angle, but we did. Yes, that was very much the angle I was going on. That's the only response to a pathetic human being. Yeah, honestly, yeah, that is not a a well-adjusted individual. The lower incel club. You don't want to end up in the lower incels. (laughs) Where the other incels judge you as not having enough morals. Now it's time for drunk women solving crime. This case involves a huge scandal, domestic violence and a whole lot of admin. You know those juicy cases where like a woman marries a terrible husband and he like it's just awful and then like she poisons him and stuff. This is exactly like that, except instead of poisoning him, she embarks on um, legal reform. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. I like the cut of a jib so far. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about Caroline Norton, who is the first woman to ask for a divorce. Wow. Very much the Henry VIII of her day. (laughs) Yes. And I bet this wasn't in the fucking like seventeenth century. Or no, whatever. it's gonna be it's gonna be so late. It's gonna be like you know, like when Switzerland gave women the right to vote, and it turns out it was the nineteen seventies. It's gonna be like some ridiculous like that. Yeah. So yeah, that is my next question. What year do you think it is? Oh, it's gonna be something depressing, isn't it? The first divorce from mm. a lady's point of well, view. Well, it's it's not even like I'm not gonna tell you if she was successful yet. She's the first woman to ask for a divorce. Oh, wow. Up until this point, only men can decide if oh, they get Oh, okay, divorced. so that's going to put it yeah. earlier. 1936. 
Okay. Higher, lower, you guys? I'm going to go 1912 because I think her husband bought her a ticket for the Titanic. And that's why she was so annoyed. That's her revenge. That's her revenge. <laughs> if she was the first woman to ask, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic and say 1837. Oh, my God. Taylor Glenn, it is 1836. Wow. Hey, what's up? Yeah, it's 1836, baby. I get baby. so excited when I'm close. <laughs> I say that in bed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> With my excited fists. I wish they could see him going, yay, yay, yay. He's finally done it. He's finally yeah. done it. He finally got me there. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Oh, wow. Cool. Well, then I've already won. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. Have fun, guys. You're done. You're done. Go to sleep. Oh, no, yeah, go to sleep now. Yeah, have I a just... snooze. <laughs> yeah. So I'll give you a little bit more information about Caroline Norton. She is born in Sheridan in London in 1808 to lovely, rich, important people. Lots of playwrights and soldiers, blah, blah, blah. Very grand. Her mum writes, her granddad's like a big deal writing shit. Like he is really famous, but I'm not going to give him respect in this. Um, so when she's eight years old, her father dies, leaving I wasn't family. laughing at that. Sorry, I was still laughing at that. I'm not going to give him respect. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to work out where Sheridan is. Yeah. Where the hell's Sheridan? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, you guys. It turns out after only half a glass of wine, I can't read. She's born Caroline Sheridan in London. <laughs> That's her surname. Oh my god, what a dick. We're so used to not pulling Katie up on things when she does those old things. So, no, well, thank you for being here. Oh, I was just like, where's Sheridan? Did it change into something like Chelsea or something? You know? yeah. I was so ready to just be like, yeah, I know it. Um, I have yeah. no problem looking like an idiot and saying things I don't know because it just happens so often. It's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't have a problem with that. So when she's eight years old, her father dies, leaving the family virtually penniless. So now she is from a grand but impoverished family. But on the plus side, they are so posh that she and her mum and her two sisters... They get to go and live at Hampton Court Palace for a bit. Wow! wow can I can I can I be that impoverished? I I know. Can right? I can I join that impoverished family? Yeah, what a great deal! Wow, like, halfway house for the rich and famous. Yeah, seriously. So is this like, a Dickens? Are you are you just reading a Dick an un- unpublished <laughs> Dickens story? Right now? <laughs> it that bit is very actually. Apart, well, some of it, this is is very Dickens. <laughs> Prince Frederick, the Duke of York and Albany. You know that guy. I played tennis with that 10, guy. He had 10,000 men. I think, I think, I I think you'll find Katie is called Freddie. He's just like, you know, <laughs> Freddie. Yeah, and also Freddy I don't play tennis. <laughs> no, that's him. That's how, that is what everyone calls him. And then, um, so he is an old friend of her grandfather's. So he arranges for them to live in what got called a grace and favour apartment. Oh. What kind of graces were was the wife, the widow, well, wife giving? Yeah, favor. I know what kind of favor, not no, graces, favors. Wi- women have learned to not like the word favor. Yes. <laughs> um, although I don't have any information about that. I think that was like rich people doing each other favors, hoping for favors in return. I don't know. Also, grace and favor sounds like a sounds like an artist, doesn't he? So that's nice. They're safe for a bit, but obviously they're all women. They've got no right to earn an income. So she's going to have to get married pretty quickly because the Hampton Court Palace digs are limited. They're time limited. So she needs to get a ring on it. And specifically, she has to marry someone rich and pretty quick. So all the sisters do. Now, these sisters are smoking hot babes. And they are so accomplished that society at the time dubbed them the Three Graces. Oh, that would have been confusing, wouldn't it, if that yeah. had actually been their names? Yeah. Grace, Maybe one of them was called Grace. Yeah, and then they were like, no, what, me? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they should have had their pick of the 19th century D. But um, Wait, please don't tell me the kids were being made to give the favours as a no, grace said favour, please. I think it's all... I don't know. I just always feel with this with this level of society people, it feels like everything is sort of for show and posturing, isn't it? So it's like, yeah. they're like, oh, I did this great favour. Oh, you're so great. I don't know. <laughs> 19th century D. That's going to keep me giggling the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, the other, the other sisters did marry well. One of them married a duke, but Caroline is encouraged to marry the MP for Guildford. <laughs> oh, okay. God. Well, that was their first mistake, wasn't it? Come yeah. on. 
Hubba uh, hubba. I know, right? Not a sexy sentence. And his name is George Norton. So her mum is mega keen for the mat. She's all like, we need the money, babe. Uh, Caroline marries him in 1927 against her own wishes, um, but fearing for the well-being of her family. How old is she at this point? So she's born in 1808 and this is 1927. So she's... 12. So she's only 19 at this point. Yeah. So question, is George a catch? Well, he's the MP of girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And MPs at this point, didn't they have like lots of money? Like you had to have like, you had to be like a landed gentry basically to become an MP at this point. I, um, I think he, I think so. I think it was I mean, definitely... I could just have been thinking of Poldark right now. I could just... <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a helpful picture, actually. Yeah. But, you know, they had to have money connections. They had to be... I mean, yeah, because M- a lot of MPs today, Jacob Rees-Mogg, are not at all connected. And, you know, they're yes. not a common man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. imagine that within those circles, probably he had money. So this dude is basically the absolute worst. He's unsuccessful in his chosen career as a barrister. He is not great with money. He's a jealous and possessive husband. He's given to violent fits of drunkenness, according to one source. And the union quickly proved unhappy due to his mental and physical abuse of Caroline. Um, Every source that I looked at mentioned the domestic violence. One said Caroline was the victim of regular and vicious beatings. And another source said that sometimes the servants had to intervene to protect her. Wow. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah. I was thinking what a risk they'd be taking to intervene because obviously they would defer to him as the man of the house. So it must have been pretty bad. Yeah. Because I bet you turn quite a blind eye when you're a servant in the 19th century. Actually, that's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. That must have been... Because, you know, I mean, these people would have been sleeping on the floor, not getting paid much, treated like rubbish. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, to actually... Intervene. Yeah, that's even more damning, isn't it? That's terrifying. Okay, so question. What was domestic violence called before it was called domestic violence? What a good question. It's kind of a trick question, guys. It it didn't exist. (laughs) Absolutely nothing, that's right. (laughs) They didn't have a name for it. I was was about to say, I was about to suggest happy families. Yeah, men exercising their God-given rights. Difficult women, probably. Yeah. Unsatisfactory Um, whiffery. Yeah, this is it. When is a crime not a crime? Not performing her wifely duties. Well, exactly, that keeping their wives in check it was probably called Uh, if a crime is not legally recognized as a crime then you know great loophole great loophole all of history do we Um, know when that term was coined that's a katie question so i'm just putting it out look at me getting my comeuppance (laughs) (laughs) we'll look into that yeah we can well actually we might slightly get there towards the end of this case. I don't think we quite do, though. Caroline has no legal recourse. Women at the time are expected to just suck it up. She could have written to the 19th century, Dear Deirdre, help, my husband is beating me shitloads, but Deirdre would have written back, try being more subservient. Um, There's no Deirdre. It would have been Bob. It would have been Dear yes, Bob. Yes, it, oh it would have been Priest Bob. And exactly. Bob. <laughs> I'm sorry, there is no female... You know, it's, 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 it's Dear Bob. Yeah. <laughs> So Caroline tries to suck it up. They have three sons together. Now, as discussed a little bit earlier, Caroline is very clever and she's ever so lovely and vivacious. So during the early years of her marriage, she used her beauty, wit and political connections to establish herself as a major society hostess. Um, So question, does 19th century high society like beauty and wit in its chicks? Not wit. Yeah. Because, you know, women are to be seen and not heard, I'd imagine, at this time. Yeah. Although if she was a good hostess, I suppose that's sort of... Need that's sort of what she's yeah like what mm. she's seen to be but if he's like a really jealous possessive person and she's at a party yeah and you know being the good yeah you know hostess and you know wife on the arm but talking to all these people he's going to get jealous about that because he's a drunk who can't probably hold a sentence together yeah no and actually very good point and we will get to that in a second you want to say add anything taylor or no gonna ride out good. your earlier success <laughs> <laughs> <You're riding out. laughs> Okay, Um, so basically, you're kind of you're all kind of right, because yes and no. So one of my sources said that Norton's unorthodox behavior and candid conversation raised more than a few eyebrows and she made enemies and admirers in equal measure. So she's a good hostess with good bants. But yeah, they're a bit like, well, she she's a bit much. 
But she still gets to be busy mates with Mary Shelley, Benjamin Disraeli, and a bunch of other literary and political luminaries. Oh, Mary Shelley must have been a laugh. Yeah, Yeah. right? (laughs) Love to get drunk with Mary Shelley. It doesn't make up for her shitty life, but I'm just saying that's pretty cool. (laughs) Her and her dad. Just just hang out with Mary Shelley and her dad. Yeah. (laughs) Just be like, I'm going to go and live with them. (laughs) Nidhi's touched on this. Is George happy about this? And the answer is sort of no, as you said, But also, in spite of his jealousy and pride, George actually encouraged his wife to use her connections to advance his career. And it was, in fact, entirely due to her influence that in 1831, he was made a Metropolitan Police Magistrate. So Um, he was an MP and then he became a police magistrate. Yeah. And he was a barrister before he did that. So I think he's just like, he's shit at stuff, but... You know, he can front it out. I don't know how these people... Privilege, privilege. Yes. Privilege, come on. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I'm even pretending I don't understand it. That's literally (laughs) what it is. (laughs) He's just going, oh, sir, you know, this barrister job is just not for me. me. What do you think? Oh, just become an MP. Yeah. Oh, this MP malarkey is not for me. Just, oh, go go look up the police office. Yeah, keep failing upwards. Yeah, exactly. In a minute, is he going to become a surgeon? Because that's going to be a worry. <laughs> Actually, oh. surgeons are the bottom of the list at the moment at this point because they were just barbers. Oh. At this point, they're just glorified barbers. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's why you get Mister. That's why surgeons are still Mister and Miss. Oh my God! Because they were barbers. Is that why that tradition? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. It's although, whenever they book airlines and hotels, they all put a doctor down. <laughs> hilarious oh my it's god like, you know in the hospital it's always i missed her i miss and then outside like when they're booking in, in you know general public land oh doctor i'm a doctor and you're like yeah <laughs> as an outsider that i did not know of this tradition at all and i had some problems when i was pregnant so i had to see a consultant and she went by a miss and i was like so patronizing i'm like you went to med school right <laughs> Why are you calling her Miss? Oh, because back in the day, she used to be a barber. Wow. Well, that's good enough to stick a big needle in my stomach either way. <laughs> this is amazing. We've got to the bottom of so much in this episode already. So, oh, also, I have to quickly give you this information. During these years, when she's high-flying, but having a terrible time, um, she Caroline starts writing and she turned to prose and poetry as a means of releasing her inner emotions and earning money. And her first book, The Sorrows of Rosalie, 1829, was well received. And there's like loads of other stuff. So this success of her writing resulted in her appointment as editor of La Belle Assembly and also Court Magazine. Court Magazine? Yeah. As in, is oh. it the Royal Court? Or? I think so. Like Basically, it was Hello. Yes! She edited Hello. Yeah, I think so. So she gets to be the editor of a couple of magazines. So she's doing pretty well. But 1836, (laughs) bombshell. Caroline finally left her husband. um, And at first, she was able to subsist on her earnings as a writer and author. But question, then what happens? So interesting point. I'm pretty sure at this point, Mm -hmm. she would have had no rights to her children. Yes, we're going to come to that. But before that, there's That's something... That's of her. That... Sorry, I'm just preempting everything here. Sorry. No, no, it's great, though. You're absolutely on the right track. It's something yeah. that George does. So she's earning this money and then George does something. Is he allowed to take it away from her? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, because she's not allowed a bank account, is she? Yes. I'm amazed yeah, that she's she, making... Yeah, she can't own property. Yes. She probably has to have a husband sign everything for yes. her. And, you know, she's literally not allowed to own even the dress she's wearing. Oh my God, could no. you imagine, like, even at her book signing, her husband is sat there signing, <laughs> yes, signing yeah. for her? Yeah. Yeah, she's literally not a legal person with citizenship. It's insane. So... It's the ultimate thing where, you know, the woman says something, the man takes respons- takes credit for it. It's the ultimate. It oh is. Know, isn't it? You know, that she has this life and he yeah. takes credit for her life. And it's she's, a comedy writer's room. That's what it is. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's this vibrant, creative person making all kinds of stuff happen. And he's just draining her and beating her. But yeah, so literally, this is what happens. George is able to claim this money as his own because women ain't shit. So George, he not only took her to court for this, but he successfully argued that as her husband, her earnings were legally his and all her earnings were duly confiscated and given to him. So, so this man yeah. who has failed at three careers—I presume he's failed at the Metropolitan Police. Yeah, he's, he's failed fa- upwards. He's but failed he's a- at all. Of, yeah, yeah, he's failing at everything he does. Yeah, 
1830 society, he's willing to go to court and say in front of everyone, <laughs> I'm a failure, give me my wife's money. Yeah, well, I, I think he just doesn't want her to have it. I think it's literally, that's mine. I'm going to control you. I'm having it. How dare you leave me kind of thing. But question, what does Caroline do as a response to this? The listeners need to know that Niddy did the finger pointing <laughs> at, the, at an imagined groinal area. <laughs> 19th century D. <laughs> Wowzers. She doesn't give up. She goes on a legal crusade, doesn't she? She tries to change the policy. Not quite. Somehow. We, ha- we have yet. a tiny bit of lighthearted fun and then things get very dark. I'll just does warn she, you. Does she go round to her literary friends and basically tries to get as much support as she can from the maybe in more enlightened people of her day? Well... Or kind of, but not that is. I'll tell you what I would do. Yeah. I would just spend all the fucking money. Uh huh. Is that what she did? Ding, 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 ding. Yay! Yay! Oh, Hannah George. Yeah. You know dates, Taylor. I know women. So, yeah, Caroline's response to this is to use the law to her advantage. She gets him into debt. She starts running up bills in her husband's name. She told the creditors oh. when they came to collect that if they wished to be paid, they could sue her husband. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. It's very satisfying. Lovely bit of tit-for-tat territory. It does. It, it's a bit of fun. This is the last bit of fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, let's in the story. But that was All genuinely right. enjoyable. So it's nice that we had that. <laughs> um so George escalates things. He does two things next. Question, what does he do next? Hire a hitman. Interesting. Ooh. Um, she gets the, he gets the 18th, or 19, 1830s version of a hitman. I like it. I'm going to let the others guess before I tell <laughs> what you if you're that? correct. Called, like a bump chap. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a name for a, um, for a doctor that deals with babies. As well. yeah. <laughs> a whack lad. <laughs> Bang bloke. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing that maybe he kind of forces her to live under his roof again or something where he can keep an eye on her. Um, I imagine they may be separated at this point, but I think he does something that's quite forceful and horrible and something she can't argue with. Gavel geezer. I just had one more. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it something to do with the kids? Is this, is this yes, where she that is one uses of the, two the children as leverage? Yeah. So, um, I mean, basically he creates drama, this little motherfucker. First of all, he abducts her sons, the three sons, um, and he hides them with relatives in Scotland, and he refuses to tell Caroline anything of their whereabouts. And then second, he accuses Caroline of having an affair with her close friend, Lord Melbourne, the then Whig Prime Minister. Um, so he was actual Prime Minister? Yes. So Drama, this is like Monica yeah. Lewinsky. So, 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 so he, he, he basically just, he's like, go big or go home. Yeah. He just, like, you know, not, not, not the chimney sweep, not the milkman, <laughs> not the next door neighbour. No, you're having an affair with the Prime Minister. Yeah. Wow. The, yeah. Drunk women solving crime. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And George Does he achieve eternal life and he ends up on a WhatsApp group? Like, this feels like the (laughs) same guy we started with. 
it honestly it's so funny how we get like a vibe and that's the, that's what happens in the whole it's yes, just all this about is birth of an incel a douchebag ruining people's lives because they're so pathetic but yeah so he george demanded 10,000 pounds from melbourne the uh, lord melbourne the whig prime minister so question did melbourne pay the 10,000 pounds to, to and so at this point he's accusing melbourne lord melbourne and he's asking him for money to keep quiet Oh, so this is extortion. Okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah it starts as extortion. Um, does Lord Melbourne hire a hitman? To get <laughs> it would probably be more fun if he did, because that would end Caroline's problems. But no, any it's other a guess? Bash boy. Are you coming up with names so going, for hitmen so again? <laughs> I think he pays up. Okay. Wow. Again, I'm going to pole dark territory. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Anyone want to say he doesn't pay up? Well, I have this guy as such a little wiener that I can't believe that anyone would take him seriously, but okay. he is knocking dominoes. So, yeah, I but, guess he'd be a credible threat. I guess that would be... Is that a huge scandal then, I, even? I think maybe he doesn't um, pay up because I'm not sure that he has... Oh, no, because it's 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 him that accuses her of having the affair so isn't it so george the husband is accused um lord melbourne and caroline of having an affair with each other because i thought it was like that caroline if caroline had said she was having an affair with him that would be how to hurt him would be like i'm having an affair and it's the fucking prime minister <laughs> yeah but because it's something that you can't just make something up like that and be like i'm now going to you know, he has made that up. Was there any evidence? Well, no, well because they're, they're high society people, so they will have socialised, and she was his friend. So, they're, you know, they're at parties. And, and she's, she's so... a woman who's left a man, so she's yeah, loose exactly. as loose. Yeah, so she's ripe for being called a slut. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. so I think, no, he, I don't think he pays up. Okay, so we've, we've got two yeses and one no for, for paying up. He did not pay up. Who knows any um, yes, but I'm not keeping score because I'm not competitive. Okay. <laughs> um, so Melvin refused to be blackmailed, and so George took the Prime Minister to court. Drama. So Was it in court weekly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they covered the story. They got the inside scoop. But yeah, basically, this is... He took is, the Prime Minister to court? Yes, and this was huge, like... Like this scandal in my head. I'm just thinking Bojo. I'm just thinking Bojo in my head. Can you imagine yeah. one of the women, you know, you know, one of the men he's wronged by, you know, shagging their wives or something, taking him to court? It would be amazing. I mean, we would love it, right? Oh, God, it'd be the best thing on the planet. It would just be like, if that man could ever be in trouble for anything ever, that would be nice. <laughs> just any of the crimes he's committed. But it would be a bit of a celebration. I feel like it's what would unify the nation. Well, I mean, it is like, actually, I can't remember who said it, but like Monica Lewinsky, it's kind of like, it's just this big scandal. And it nearly brought down the entire government at the time. Because it's this huge court case, there's outrage, there's intrigue. The the trial lasted nine days and the the publicity was insane. It was like all anyone could talk about. So, question, what was the verdict of the jury? It's interesting they leave that to a jury as well, like... Mm. Yeah, but it's going to be a jury of his peers. So, like, yeah. we were the peers of a prime minister. Uh-huh. And that like, was a clue. To <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. So went. they find him not guilty because basically he stacks it with his cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Twelve angry Melbournes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they threw out George's claim and they ruled that no affair and nothing improper had happened. They sided with Lord Melbourne, bros before hoes, blah, blah, blah. And, like, people trying We're to We're back to Bojo. He, did, he had IT lessons. He did... Did not have an oh, affair yeah. with the Akuri woman. It was IT lessons with a dancing pole. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, there are so many parallels with today. <laughs> so the scandal eventually died away for Melbourne, but the fallout for Caroline Norton was huge. Her reputation was ruined and her friendship with Lord Melbourne was destroyed. And still, of course, George continued to prevent her from seeing their three sons and he blocked her from receiving a divorce. According to English law in 1836, children were the legal property of their father and there was nothing that um, Norton could do to gain custody. So question, what does she do next? This is the legal crusade. Yeah! Okay. <laughs> she gets I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure the children thing lasted until the 1920s. I mean, there's... Yeah, yeah, no, no, because yeah. the suffragettes, yeah. the suffragette, the, the film, everything I do is just... Oh, cool. TV. <laughs> like, that's what I love. Who 
reads books. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, because uh, the, the, in Suffragette, they talked about because the main character, um, she's trying to get hold of her son. Right. Oh, and it was yeah. still the property of the father, and she wasn't allowed to see her own son. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that rings a bell. I, I mean, haven't seen the film, but it's yeah. we're 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 going we're going to cover some reforms which get us closer to a better situation. But but yes. Lydia, I just pictured like instead of going to med school, you just watched ER back to back. You know what? You know what? When I was at med school, it was ER uh, for the emergency medicine. It was Quincy for pathology. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was Quincy for pathology. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm doing pathology at the moment. I'm just watching Quincy on daytime TV. Oh my god. And was it like Scrubs, or if you're just having a bit of fun? Pretty much, yeah. Because Scrubs, despite the one thing about I'll say about Scrubs, it's got the essence of being a, do- a junior doctor, right? Okay. Compared to anything else, like the essence of just. Like, just, yeah, just, I can go on forever about this. So, yeah, it, 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 you know, the, the, the first episode, the first scene is he walks onto the ward and he goes, I've just realised something, I don't know anything. <laughs> that's every junior doctor on their first day in the hospital when they become a doctor. They're like, I'm a doctor, you walk in, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I love, I mean, I don't love that. That's hard for every individual that goes through it, but that's still really interesting. Yeah, and for all the patients, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> Seeing that person on their first day. Come Wait on, my minute. heart's here. Yeah, Why no, no, can't no. you hear it's, it? It's the worst things are, the bigger the smile. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, great. We're doing fine, aren't we? <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, because it's like, yay, the achievement I've worked for. Oh, God, it's really hard. Oh, yeah, you, you get this like three, four weeks between graduating and starting your first job because everyone in the country starts their first job on the same day. Oh, wow. On the first wow. Wednesday of first Wednesday of August so between graduation not COVID of course but between graduation (laughs) and starting work you get like this three four week and everyone just goes on holiday and you are on top of the world you've been through med school you're a doctor you are cock of the heat you are parents love you (laughs) you know the world is your oyster all the hard work is done yeah sit back and relax you go into work you're like oh shit (laughs) well that's nice that you guys have those few weeks of being a god on holiday but also that's such a hot tip like don't go to the doctor the first few weeks of august yeah yeah if you're in hospital and like a really tan smiling doctor is walking up to you you know you're fucked i went to japan and it took me ages to get that burnout of my skin it was like 40 degrees oh wow (laughs) man i love this but i'm gonna have to get back to the case (laughs) so caroline gets political and everyone's like oh my god stop politicizing the situation you're abject I wrote this sentence. I'm not going to be able to. I was like, this will be really funny. I'll try and say it as a throwaway comment, but now I can't read it. I was going to say, your abject lack of tangible, enforceable rights is bumming us out. I, I think I think what they meant to say is now is not the time to politicise. Yes. When everything has calmed down and you've forgotten <laughs> about it. Yes. Then we'll have an inquiry that will last five years. Yeah. And then we'll ignore everything. And then we'll do another now, inquiry. Yeah. Exactly. But, but we now, won't do anything about the inquiry, but we'll just keep having them. Exactly. But now is not the time. Yeah. I think you're being disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. How dare she politicise <laughs> losing her children for no reason. So... Um, the so she starts campaigning for laws to be passed to give rights to married and divorced women and she uses her writing skills as well so poems um, A Voice from the Factories 1836 um, and she actually she even writes to Queen Victoria um, wow. she is on it and um, Norton's old friend Lord Melbourne opposed the reforms that she fought for because obviously he's still trying to distance himself and he was scolded for this by Queen Victoria <laughs> Oh, wow. So that's nice. Wow. But then, so question, does anything... Well, that's a stupid question. Sorry, I don't know why. God, I'm sorry. I always get to this point in the podcast and I just start apologising every three seconds and trying to self-edit myself (laughs) even though I'm already talking. So I'll ask the question and then if you guys think it's a stupid question, we'll move on. That's a lot of pressure on us, Kate. I know. (laughs) My fragile ego is in your hand. (laughs) I'm going to show you my dick. (laughs) And you you can tell me if it's the best one you've ever seen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask the question. I'm just gonna move on. And I'm sure a man edit point, Amanda, make me look sane. Um, so. Oh, that's a hundred percent staying in now, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't say something really funny. <laughs> I've got lockdown fever. And Shouting alcohol. make me look sane to our producer is the best thing you've ever said. That's hilarious. <laughs> we have some slow progress. Now, the first thing that happens is... There is a law reform in 1839 and Parliament passed the Custody of Infants Act 1839. Um, and that meant that legally separated or divorced wives, caveat, provided that they had not been found guilty of any criminal conversation, I don't know what that would even involve, um, were granted the right to custody of their children up to the age of seven and periodic access thereafter. And this act applied in England, Wales and Ireland. So, question... What does George do? I suppose it depends how old the kids are. Do we know how old the kids are at this point? One of them is under seven. Okay. Does he send the over sevens off to work because they've got to earn their keep sweeping those chimneys? No. um, I've slightly buried the lead. This act applied in England, Wales and Ireland only. Oh, Scotland. They hid them in Scotland, didn't he? He's hidden them in Scotland, so he just keeps them in Scotland. So this has absolutely no effect on the legal ramifications for her family. Um, So she's campaigned for three years at this point and she could have hoped for custody of her youngest son and access to her older son. So at this point um, were seven and ten, the older ones, um, when that um, act became law. But of course, George insists they stay in Scotland. And the other weakness of this act was that women had to petition the court. So very few women had the financial means to actually petition for their rights. So great loophole, guys. You've changed yeah. the law, but you've made it prohibitively expensive for anyone to actually... Like, it's like nothing mm. has changed at all, really. So she's That's back to the... That's not very English at all. <laughs> I know what. What, what you mean? They re- made a law that makes no difference. That's not. That's like the complete opposite. And like, just, yeah, it doesn't get enforced. No one like. <laughs> what does it remind us of? I just <laughs> can't think. Um, so she's back to the campaign drawing board, and she's going to need a bigger law. So, um, <laughs> by the way, this is fun, guys. Right? Law. You're glad I'm not doing a poison case, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. I love this this woman and the way that she's like she's tactical about what she does. She doesn't yeah, just yeah. try and bump him off. She's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do the debt thing, then I'm going to, you know, do this and yeah, and earn her own money as well. And also, yeah. I hate it. I hate these things where like a law like that. Like, at what point is it a good idea to keep kids from their mum mm-hmm. as well? Like, I always think that that's literally just to hurt someone, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's torture no for the child. But, but well. right now, like, women aren't people, are they? No, they're not. You know, legal. women women have no rights whatsoever. You know, yeah. they they can't do anything at this point. No, but really, their role in society is seen as being, um, you know, mothers essentially. Yeah. isn't it? that's one of their biggest jobs. Children are still slightly dehumanized at this point too. You know, there's no there's oh, the childhood emotion. and adulthood. There's no sentimentality around sort of the growing up period. It's sort of like getting old enough to either be noble or be in the workforce and their property you know so the fact that it was seven that they were like i guess he's a man now yeah 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 yeah. but but, i mean the notion of motherhood basically ends at birth the moment the mother's given birth that you've done your job now okay yeah okay you know know, this you know because it's this idea that after birth before this even you know nonsensical law came in that oh, you don't need anyone. It's not like the fathers are actually going to be looking after the kids. They're going to be palming it off to nanny. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Or worse, um, because I'm afraid, you guys, this case is going to take a slightly dark turn now. So her youngest son, William, dies in 1842. Oh, no. It's awful. And um, what happens is William was out riding alone. He falls off his horse and is injured. And the wounds were actually quite minor, but they were not properly attended and blood poisoning set in. Caroline blames George for the child's death and accuses him of neglect. But George has George realised that the child was near death and he sent for Caroline, but unfortunately William died before she arrived in Scotland. Um, so, again, just absolutely heartbreaking, awful story. But after William's death, George allowed Caroline to visit the two older sons, but he retained full custody and her visits were supervised. Um, And it was at this point that Caroline became even more passionately involved in the passing of laws promoting social justice. She does a few more poems as well. um, Child of the Islands, 1845. Um, And then when Parliament debated the subject of divorce reform in 1855, 
Norton submitted to the members a detailed account of her own marriage and described the difficulties faced by women as a result of the existing laws. And I have an extract of it here, which I can read. But also, I just realised I've been talking for ages. Does anyone want to comment on the tragedy <laughs> that I've skirted quickly past? No, I was just thinking divorce should be called Norton. <laughs> My contribution. I mean, this, this woman absolutely just spent her entire life just being crapped on, didn't she? But she never let her get it down. And she just kind of kept on going. Yeah, just kept trying to do the right thing, make a difference. Because she's one of the lucky ones. That's the sad thing. Well, like, this yeah. is the kind of standing and privilege you have to have to fight this. Yeah, you yeah know? that's true. If she'd been any commoner. Like, she got to live in Hampton Court Palace and she's still having the shit beaten out of her. So what's happening to everyone else? Like, yeah. So her, an extract from her testimony uh, to when they were the uh, parliament debating uh, part of the law. So she took the stand and said... An English wife may not leave her husband's house. Not only can he sue her for restitution of conjugal rights, but he has a right to enter the house of any friend or relation with whom she may take refuge and carry her away by force. Those dear children, the loss of whose pattering steps and sweet occasional voices made the silence of my new home intolerable as the anguish of death. What I suffered respecting those children, God knows, under the evil law which suffered any man for vengeance or for interest to take baby children from the mother. So again... Um, pretty fucking <laughs> harrowing and brutal. Mm. Um, you can hear her poetry, though, can't you? Like, that's why yeah. it got to you. Because a lot of these testimony things, you're like, okay, like, wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was, like, that was poetic. Yeah, it got me yeah. a little choked up. No, I know. I, yeah. I actually, I sort of thought maybe I shouldn't even read this. No, it's great. It's, it's I, so think, I, think, I think it's right to say it just for her. Yeah. For what she went through, that, you know, because... You know, how many how many times have we heard about somebody who done this, you know, in terms of, you know, she didn't change the law entirely, but you know, yeah. if it wasn't for her, it wouldn't have then continued. Yeah. You know, other people took up her work. Yeah. If she hadn't done what she had done, God knows where we'd be today, you know, how much longer it would have taken. And... Exactly. No, that's a really good point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um um so that's my win that's my win (laughs) (laughs) katie you're on your own now no one's saying anything (laughs) i'm just gonna monologue till the end um so um so basically now we have a few more um slightly better laws getting passed the next one is the matrimonial causes act 1857 and the married women's property act 1870 um and she worked on some of these with the suffragette activist barbara lee smith bodichon um, I think she was from Bodichon. <laughs> <laughs> and where would that be exactly? <laughs> Northern, right? <laughs> yeah. Here, Yorkshire, I think. <laughs> so the Matrimonial Causes Act reformed the law on divorce, um, amongst others making divorce more affordable and established a model of a marriage based on contract. The Married Women's Property Act of 1870 allowed married women to inherit property and take court action on their own behalf, and the act granted married women in the UK for the first time a separate legal identity from their husband. Wow. That's huge. Wow, the Uh, You're Almost Human Act. I know. know. (laughs) You you, you nearly exist. You nearly exist. Isn't it great? You can't vote, but yay for you. Tell you what, if you marry a man, you're kind of a person. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Before that, you're nothing. <laughs> Marry them, maybe something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we'll see. Um, so, yeah, so Norton finally became free with George's death in 1875. And she married an old friend, Scottish historical writer and politician, Sir W. Sterling Maxwell. He lived in Maxwell, guys. Um, and, and that was in, uh, in March 1877. And then she died three months after she married him. Oh, what, of That's, happiness, I guess? Yeah. yeah and but, but it was like, yeah, she got into her 70s or 60s. 60, she was, she was, uh, yeah, so she died like in 1877 and she was born in 1808. So 69? Yeah. That's yeah. not bad in That's that century. That's not bad. And obviously her body will have withstood quite a lot of trauma and childbirth. So I will quickly skirt through some fun facts. She is the inspiration for um, Diana Warwick, the fiery-tempered heroine of Meredith's novel Diana of the Crossways (laughs) um, by George Meredith, who she was mates with. 
Um, she modelled for this portrait that's a famous, like a fresco portrait by Daniel MacLeese called Justice. And it hangs up in the House of Lords and he chose her because she was seen by many as a famous victim of injustice. Oh, and also, I was like, we're all like, yay, props to her. But wait, she Uh-oh. hates those crazy feminist bitches, guys. <laughs> she, um, she, well, when she uh, fought to extend women's legal rights, uh, she wasn't actually involved in further social activism and she had no interest in the 19th century women's movement for women's suffrage. And in fact, she published an article in the Times in 1838 countering a claim that she was a radical. And she stated, the natural position of women is an inferiority to man. Amen. That is a thing of God's appointing, not of man's devising. I believe it sincerely as part of my religion. I never pretended to the wild and ridiculous doctrine of equality. Wow. You know when you watch a movie and the end fucking ruins it? Yeah. I know. (laughs) It's like, oh no, it turns out they write for the Telegraph. I just I just thought because like she's obviously st- still inspiring but it just like I'm fascinated by the shades you know the nuance of the, the world that she lived in and she was still like no no I'm still a terrible woman this you know, happens sorry. though with I people just... who are radicals of their time and then it's like they can't graduate to the next level because it's almost like I took this as far as I could and that's as far as it needs oh. to go it's almost like this do you know what I mean? Because her law, her law, the changes depended on the status that she got to. It was like marital status. Yeah. And that's what she knew. So maybe it was just like, yeah, I don't know, a step too far. It's like when, well, when like old feminists let us down, I don't have to list all of them, but we know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't think it takes away from her achievements, though, does no. it? No, and she's a product of her time. And yeah. also it's that thing of like, she didn't want to be seen as a radical because she wanted to be taken seriously, probably. It's like how in the 90s, no one wanted to say the word feminist. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure you know, but... no one will say that today either. <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. terms of, you know, what do you mean? What is your definition? And how can I counteract that? <laughs> Let us raise a glass to Caroline Norton. I mean, cheers. I would have raised it higher five minutes ago, but yeah. <laughs> cheers. Drunk women solving crime. So I have a listener crime here that somebody has written in with, and it says. Hi, drunk women. If you're stuck for a listener crime, I have one. I'm a university student about to start my third year at university. At the start of last summer, I moved out of university accommodation and into a student house with some friends. I was staying at my parents for the summer because free food and was not staying in my student house. While I was back with my parents, someone broke into my student house and stole all the cans of Coke from the fridge. This was all they took. They completely ignored the TV in the same room. This all happened with my housemate asleep on the sofa in the same room. Who broke into my house and why did they only steal cans of Coke? Zander. Zander. I'm re-watching Buffy at the moment, so I'm just like watching Zander every day on Buffy. (laughs) Yeah, it's that guy that's emailed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, is is it the flatmate who was asleep? Did they just pretend it was broken into and then they just had a midnight raid to the fridge or like I, in a hungover yeah, state. Yeah, I've got to say, this feels like an inside job and the flatmate yeah. has just drunk all of the Coke. But also, but also, if this got, if this, if Xander's at home with his parents, mm-hmm. like, why is, is it his Coke that's in yeah why did he leave all his Coke? Like, yeah, and, and how much Coca-Cola is there? Yeah. Like, just, did he go to Costco? Why didn't he take it to his parents' house? Yeah, but it's just also, you know, just how much Coca-Cola did you have? Yeah, that you can notice how, how many cans are missing before you're like, hey, I had some Coke in that fridge. I think there's always one disgruntled person that wasn't invited into the house share. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Who, Was it Buffy? Yeah, who's not a criminal at heart, you know, so they weren't going to do anything radical. But mm, I'm going to take away your sweet refreshment. Mm-hmm. Or did they just have a party? Did they just have a house party? Yeah. They drunk all the coke. <laughs> but, you know, they've come up with this ridiculous story that somebody <laughs> actually broke in. <laughs> and Xander believes it. I just think yeah. for a start, if you're moving back home for your, your free food over summer, which when you're at uni, summer is like two months, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like your six weeks of uh, yeah. summer holiday as a kid. It's even maybe three months. And I kind of think, yeah. like... But you can't be leaving all of that in the fridge. I think whoever took them, it's 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 theirs. <laughs> Wait, is Coca-Cola a euphemism? Oh. Oh, did they steal all the Coke? 
<laughs> That's way less lighthearted than this email made it sound. <laughs> I was thinking, this is such a random thing and it makes no sense. Is it a euphemism? And yeah. that's why it's taken so seriously, maybe. It's good. I think it's like, it's a fun, it's a nice little lighthearted crime. Thank you, Xander, but your flatmate drank your Coke. <laughs> yeah, stroke snorted your stash. <laughs> <laughs> I think we solved that. Yeah. Solved. Yeah. Absolutely. So now we have just enough time to ask our fabulous guest, what are you up to? Um, well, because I don't have enough stuff to do. <laughs> cool. Like, you know, I'm clearly sitting around bored. Um, <laughs> so because of the COVID and everything that happened, I'm making a documentary. Yes. Uh, right. Called Start, Stop, Repeat. Um, and it's the intention is in a thought-provoking documentary. We get scholars, scholars, experts, um, activists and politicians to analyse the history of previous pandemics Okay. To find a positive future through COVID nineteen. Ooh, wow! So, and there is a positive future. There's like so much fascinating stuff from previous pandemics. So, okay. like an example is like in the Spanish flu pandemic of a hundred years ago. Yeah, it it basically it was the catalyst that helped Gandhi solidify his plan Ooh. to quit to get rid of the British. Get rid of the British. Wow! It led to uprises in Korea against the Japanese oppressors. Wow! In the, in the Japanese Empire. Wow! Um, you know, a lot of things really interestingly happened, kind of, and we have forgotten about all of them, you know, because it was overshadowed by the First World War. Um, so we're looking back to see what we can find positively for the future and kind of, you know, things like with Black Lives Matter being like a, an example of like kind of it, it bringing out the inequalities and people saying, you know, what, enough is enough, mm-hmm. yeah. basically. So what we can learn and we're doing a small crowdfunding campaign. I know mm-hmm. people are struggling. A lot of people are struggling. Uh, so what we're asking is if anyone can, can donate the price of a cup of coffee, basically. Okay. Uh, Ooh, yes, yeah. and also for our listeners, the like the price of a beer or a wine because we're <laughs> drinkers, and that'll get you more money. So yeah. I'll be having a coffee. A six-pound want... <laughs> glass of wine when the pubs reopen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. six a pounds, glass more like of ten wine. pounds, more like ten pounds, more. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We've had some um, very kind listeners say, "Can we donate to you guys to support you?" So this is where we would like you to put that yes. money, oh, please. Where can they find this? So the website, if you go to greenlit.fund and you can look for start, stop, repeat. So the website's greenlit or you can just Twitter me. I'm, a, I'm at busy doctor. So which is, yes. It's a great handle. <laughs> my best friend gave it to me in my first month in my job. I first got with the doctor. She goes, you're BD the busy doctor. Uh, what's hilarious about that is in medicine, BD also means twice daily when you give a medication. Oh. So she used to call me BD, and then she would go, "Are you calling her twice daily?" <laughs> <laughs> Could be a sexy nickname in context. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't believe I've just said that. So I'm just going to all this stuff now on Twitter. <laughs> no, that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, I had this no is idea awesome. that there were links to world events like that i feel like i learned nothing about the spanish flu until the past None of four us months did. and it's yeah. just so i mean i i'm reading insane numbers of books at the moment about pandemics it's like so much fun reading yeah. <laughs> like my book my shelves are just piled high with books but it's just yeah we don't learn about it i mean i i studied infectious diseases and i've worked around the world kind of doing yeah. infectious and tropical diseases I never learned about the Spanish pandemic. Wow. Whoa. You know, wow. and I, I studied infectious diseases. So it's like, that's just really weird that yeah. we've just forgotten. And, you know, things like it was, oh, it's the Spanish flu. It's a bioweapon from the Austro-German Empire. <laughs> you heard that before. You know, it's um, debates about face masks. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Literally, Deba- literally debates about face Jesus masks. Jesus Christ. Health authorities not telling the true number of deaths because they didn't want to worry the public. Oh, well, see, this, I, Niddy, I heard, tell me if I'm wrong about this, that it's called the Spanish flu because it came at a time when everybody was still doing loads of propaganda because of wars. And the Spanish were the only people with no horse in the race. So they yeah, were just absolutely. accurately reporting what was happening with the death tolls while, while everyone else was lying. And that's why it's called the Spanish flu. Like it came yeah. from Spain, but it didn't. It was everywhere. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. They wow. only kind of a free press. So it was called the Spanish flu. <laughs> Nobody knows where it originally came from, wow. but it got spread by troop movements in World War One, oh. And um, it's thought it could be in the US or maybe Europe, but it wasn't in Spain. 
Um, and, you know, you know, just women as well, of course. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Louisa Garrett Anderson, who was a surgeon, not allowed to look after men. Uh, right? Wow. Not allowed, um, uh, was gay, basically. Her partner was a physician. Wow. Right? They had an East London clinic, which they had to beg to start during the first world war wow. and then when the spanish flu hit they wanted to close down because they were so exhausted and then uh. the government said no you need to stay open because of the spanish flu wow. it's like initially it's like you can't work oh wow and then it's we need you her mum was the first ever female doctor in this country wow. oh my god this is amazing we gotta get that crowd fun yes. up i need to see so, this um, say the name one more time again so the film's called start stop repeat and the website is greenlit.fund. And um, is there a deadline? When does everyone need to give you money by? So uh, middle of, of July. So listeners, if you're thinking, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. Do it now. Do it now. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Nidhi Gupta. Thank you. Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman. Music by The Lion and the Wolf. If you would like to, you can follow us on Drunk Women Pod on Twitter, on Facebook and Insta. We are Drunk Women Solving Crime. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you have a crime that you would like us to solve, write it on a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you to ACAS and thank you for listening. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.